that, baby! But here, I've met a lot of people and I've played some too. And there's one thing I know, people like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? Hi, y'all, Megan. Thanks for joining me this evening here on the Spudcast podcast while I'm talking out my ass. Got a good show for you, a lot of fun. My friend Randy Sheremy, Chef Randolph Sheremy, formerly of Randolph's and now uh, a former executive director of the John Fulce Culinary Institute, but now he's just a professor because he's pretty much getting ready to put his ladle down but in the meantime we're going to talk about uh he's also a great actor we'll talk about some of our acting war stories and we'll also talk about uh his impression about uh, the future of the restaurant industry so uh y'all stick around we're gonna come right back at you right after this if you find yourself near metro road or on breakfast time or lunch you should make a pass by the blue line sandwich company if you find yourself in Kenner at breakfast time or lunch, you should make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chalmette, the best bank uptown, make a pass by the Blue Line Sandwich Company. Chef Brad McGee uses fresh from the farm ingredients, makes his own corned beef, conchon de lait, and a jam in a day. Custom catering, dine in and carry out or let waiter bring your sandwich straight to you. The Blue Line Sandwich Company, 2023 Metro Road, a block off of Bonneville. Call Chef Brad at 504-309-3773. Spot here. Did you know 70% of the 240 top-selling CBD products online not only have lead, they got arsenic, they got pesticides, they got toxic mold. Quit fooling around and get the only CBD product guaranteed to be 100% organic by the USDA. SunMed CBD products from your CBD store. They're on Magazine Uptown, on Vets in Metri, and on Manhattan in Harvey. They have in-store specials, or you can order online at yourcbdstorenola.com. Use the promo code WELCOME. Get 10% off your entire order. All right, so uh, we're talking to uh, world-renowned uh, scholarly chef Randy Sheremy, uh, formerly of Randolph's. Which what was your grandpa's name, wasn't it? My dad's name. Yeah, I thought I thought it was your grandpa's name. My grandpa's name was Rodolph. Oh, dude, that that's kind excellent. of weird. Yeah, that's we all, you know, my dad, of... but, but my my, my uh, um, and then my great grandfather. You know, we called him Papa Creole, uh, or they called him. He died long before. And uh, well, well, actually, my—I'm getting mixed up. My grandfather was You've out been of drinking, ain't you? You've been drinking. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> my grandfather was out of this. His grandfather was Rodolph. Okay, so uh, his father was Rodolph. So my great grandfather was Rodolph. Mm. Like they called him Papa Creole. Kind of weird. Well, let's see. My grandmother on my mother's side was uh, Carmelite Complet, and we called her Mama. And uh, my parents on my my grandparents on my father's side died. Actually, I had my grand I had Mama when I was born, and she died when I was two. So, what did you call the grandfather? I uh, didn't call him anything. He didn't have any. Oh, okay. My mother's father. My mother's the youngest of ten. She was born in 1921. Her father died when she was two, so she don't even remember him. I, although he was a big, big man, I know that. You know, because he went one time to this uh, store in Gonzales to buy. Uh, to buy a pair of pants and they didn't have none to fit him and he was busy yeah. the guy going ain't you got a pair of pants for a man in this place he goes yeah but not for an elephant so you know i always always wondered where i got my size from i mean i'm six four and everybody in my family my mom my dad my brother my sister they're all five seven i had a i had a first cousin that did a lot of genealogy research and everything and he found some stuff about uh, the, the about the storm of uh, in Shenyah, right, mm -hmm. in 18, yeah. 1893, and um, 
and he found a, you know a, a, a clipping of my great grandfather. Um, they didn't. There was no uh, uh, photographs at that time. They they did sketches in the, in, the, in the Times Picayune, right? Yeah. And and he was one of the first people to get to New Orleans after the storm, and he's there in in, in his BVD long underwears, barefoot with a with a plaid shirt on, and Spud, it's me. <laughs> he was. It's like they. It's like they sketched me. I still have it. It's on my wall right here. It's uh. It, it, he's but he was six eight and he weighed about four twenty. Well, I I can picture you in your BVDs and barefoot drawing a paper. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can see that up on a log, you know, hiding <laughs> from the roo and. That's because all those damn plays Perry Martin made me do about all that crap. That's not me, man. I like the air conditioning. Yeah, I kind of run. Yeah, great big doorstep. You know, he he never asked me to do that shit. All the shows I've done Mm -hmm. with him, and not just the two, not just Kingfish and Earl Long, but all the other plays and things, and the the nightclub routine we had back in college, he never asked me to do doorstep or Oprah. And then, you know, we also did... uh... Uh, you know the uh, the hurricane play itself. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I you, built, yeah, I tried to build that. a set for him, but I, I wasn't a very. I had been out of the end of the business well, too long. What, what, what was cool about? I, I don't think I probably I probably made more money on that one gig than any other play gig I've ever been, because uh, we weren't expecting anybody to come see that show. Oh, and it was packed. Yeah, packed. it was packed for three weekends, thousand people a night. We left four hundred people outside every night. Uh, it was really cool, uh, mm. but. Uh, Anyway, what yeah. was really cool about that show is that we, we, we performed that show 100 years to the hour that the hurricane hit Shania Kaminada. So, uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's kind of spooky. Uh, and, uh, and, and look, <laughs> the gods were with us because we had so little rehearsal. We had never run that show through and through from start to finish in a rehearsal. We just did the hurricane <laughs> scene the night before. You know, I've never been so nervous to do a show in all my life. And Norby Schaber, Senator Norby Schaber was playing my little boy. And we've never we never did this, the scene right. <laughs> yeah. My God, we did it right that night. Yeah, if it wasn't it was. right, it didn't matter. We got through it. Hey, you know what? I remember my first play, uh, not the verse, first play I did at Nichols. Uh, the first play I did at Nichols was You Can't Take It With You, which, by the way, I played Kolnikov the Russian. And the last play I did at LSU was you can't take it with you and i played calling off the russian same thing how big damn we did uh we did streetcar and toady bernard played uh played uh, big daddy yeah, no oh he played brick he, he <laughs> stop it uh yeah he played uh he played uh marlon brando and he there was a scene with him and beth la barbara as uh as blanche and i mean he just he just went up and completely lost his lines and he just stared at her with this intense, <laughs> like intense hatred, and then just stormed off. And she's going, Stanley, Stan. I mean, God, that's the best that scene has ever played. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I was like, well, chances are, you know, you know, with, with Tony, chances are he was stoned to the to the you know to his nails, man. Yeah, I wouldn't have doubted it. But he did a he did a good job. I mean, the worst the worst thing I ever happened to me opening night of Erlong and Purgatory. And we had only had nine rehearsals and every day there was a change to the script. Yeah, that's crazy. And I went up. I think the craziest thing you ever did was like you went up on uh, 
you end up with uh, Fantastics like on four rehearsals. I, I, I couldn't have done that. Well, yeah, I didn't sleep. Much. That's, a, that's a big part for four rehearsals. Yeah, I, t- I remember. Uh, God, who was who was the music director? J- Julie Green. Yeah, and uh, like I love Rick Duay, but when Perry called yeah, me, me he just can't sing. He can't sing, and it's the singer's role. He can't do and look, it. And look, and you know, he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong. I love Rick. We you know we were roommates. He's one of my best friends. But Rick knows he can't, can't sing too. But just wanting to sing doesn't mean that you can't sing. You know, no. and he wanted it so bad. Yeah. That's what, what, you know, and, and you know, but, what, but you know, Perry opened up the door and he went through it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, let me get out of here. Well, Anyway, uh, anyway, when, that's, uh, when, I, when I did that, she says, well, let's because she had never heard of me either. And she goes, let's see what he can do. And the girl comes playing the piano and then I started singing uh, uh, Time to Remember, you know, and, yeah. and she I mean, I got I didn't get through eight bars and she put the, the baton down and just started crying. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to sing. <laughs> anyway. I believe me though. Anyway, I had, to, I had to look to her for every song, man. I was going up on lines, and she was mouthing them to me the whole time. Dude, we could, we could, we could talk old war stories for a long yeah. time about that stuff. But we got to talk about new war stories. I've, I've had yeah. uh, conversations with different chefs and people about uh, how they're, fu- how they're basically functioning during a pandemic. And mm-hmm. what's one of the reasons I called you about this? Because you not only are a chef, you used to run a restaurant. Now you. You're not you're not the executive director of the John Falls Culinary Institute anymore, but you're still there. One of the big teachers over there, so yep. you know you know the this business from the restaurant end, from the management end. You know it from the scholarly end. You know you're a historian, a food historian, and and everybody's figured out by now you're you're an actor with a, a hell of a resume. Uh, I guess one of the first questions I have for you about all this is. How is this going to, how is this pandemic, is it going to permanently change the way restaurants function and, you know, how do people adapt? Because from what I've seen, the people who are doing the best during the pandemic, like Scyther's over there on, on Hickory and Harahan, he never closed. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he did a lot of takeout business to begin with. And yeah, most sure. of the ones that I know did take, I mean, when Commander's Palace shut down and then they started doing and Frank Brightson's the same way they're doing takeout and that's what's keeping them alive and I'm going you know what your problem is too commanders is oh you're you're sending everything out in them styrofoam boxes and you should have these aluminum foil swans with your food (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the reason (laughs) I mean because you teach you teach the 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 future generations of great chefs and you also teach the future generations of onion choppers and dishwashers, you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, at first, let me let me point out too that the new executive chef of commanders is one of our graduates, uh, Meg Bickford, which is a big feather in our cap, big feather in her cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the lineage of chefs that have worked at commanders, you know, and uh, she's got some big shoes to fill, you know, I mean, Tori McPhail before her and. Jamie Shannon and and uh, yeah, you know well, it goes on and on. Paul Prudhomme and of course Emerald and and uh, you know to know that one of ours is there it, that that uh, that feels awfully good for us. It makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. And, uh, and she, uh, you know she, like, nobody knows y'all doing the right thing. I tell you what. <laughs> but anyway, we're very happy for her. You know, Spud. I think what's going to happen is that everybody's doing what they do. It, it, like you, you mentioned, a good uh, example with. Uh, 
with Frank Brights, and you know Frank teaches uh, with us every fall semester as well. You know what Frank's doing? He's paying his employees. You know he, yeah. he when he when they're when his employees could go on 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 uh, unemployment. Then you know he didn't see the reason because there was no money to be made. All right, uh, so so he let him go on unemployment. When the unemployment stopped, he started his business again, the takeout business, so that uh, so that he yeah. could so, so that he could keep his employees. You know, I mean, uh, just the kind of guy he is. You know, yeah. I mean, but is he making money? I doubt it. I doubt you know, it. I think he'd, yeah, he'd be the first one to tell you that. You know, I think I think that all the restaurateurs, whether it be here or anywhere in the world, quite frankly, they're going to do what they have to do to stay afloat. Sadly, you know, there's some people that say, like in New York City, that uh, we will they'll lose 50 percent of their restaurants that, that were that were there before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Some say the same thing about Louisiana, about New Orleans. I'm not sure about that. You know, not 50 percent. I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be. Dude, that I don't either, think it's going to be like that because, for one thing, and I'm up against the clock, and we're going to have to stop and pick this up after the break. But uh, the fact that we have more restaurants since Katrina than we did before, and we're not talking about fast food drive-through places. So, right. the, the, but the, also the, the cost of doing business isn't as expensive as it no. is in New York City. No, it's not, and everything's a lot closer. I mean, you can do farm to table. I mean, look at. Uh, I, I was interviewing uh, 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 Brad McGee of uh, Blue Line, who used to be uh, over at uh, at uh, Yale College Inn, and he's the one who yeah. helped start the, uh, the the farm to table. I mean, he's growing the stuff next to us, so that's what he does. But you don't have to go all the way out of out of the city to go get something. I mean, there's somebody who's really close, you know, and an hour, yeah. thirty minutes out, load up, thirty minutes back, and you're there. You you think ter- thirty minutes just to get to the to the Tappan Zee Bridge yeah. over there, so. All right, I got to step away for a second. Uh, Randolph, Randolph, Randy Sheremy, uh, Chef Randy Sheremy of Randolph's and the John Folks Culinary Institute is my guest. And uh, aside from talking war stories about being in the theater, uh, we are talking about the future of the restaurant industry from the perspective of a man who who has run one and who has run a, a culinary institute and is teaching future chefs. So y'all stick around. Coming right back at you here on the Spudcast podcast while I'm talking out my ass. Just when you thought 2020 had served up the worst it had to offer, here comes hurricane season and the flooding rains of summer, right? Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home in a good year? Well, I can't help you with pandemics or Saharan sand, but I can tell you how to fix your flooding problem. Call the team at Home Team Elevation. Their precision home raising equipment will lift you above the floods. It's height done right. Guaranteed. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the Home Team Advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. In the worry, stop insurance rate hikes. You want design choices? On the Home Team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with Home Team Elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222. Or go to hometeamelevation.com. Back with Chef Randy Sheremy uh, of the John Falls Culinary Institute in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Y'all still do the bistro thing? Yeah, uh, you know, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that. You know, I mean, uh, we had to change a, a lot of things the way we our, our, our you know standard operating procedures at the uh, at the institute because of the pandemic. Um, you know, in our in our new building there, all those teaching kitchens are 
are designed for 16 students. And it's important that that we have 16 students in each of those classes, as you know, so to move them along through mm-hmm. the program. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it was mandated that uh, we only have eight students in a kitchen at a time. So what would happen, let's say if you're in the Monday section, you know, there's a group A and a group B and uh, kind of double up on the, uh, on the content. So you come to school one week and you don't the next because I could only get eight students in, in a, in a, yeah. you know, in the, where I would normally do 16, you know, and we'd, um, it would be a lot more uh, relaxed and they have to do a lot more on their own, a lot more reading and a lot more other stuff that, on their own. So, uh, but at least we're cooking in a classroom, you know, when it hit in March, you know, in the middle of the semester, I had to, to do some, some of these uh, cooking lab classes online. Well, how the hell do you do that? You know, I, I can see the food and they're taking pictures of it or videos of it, mm. but I can't taste it. I can't taste it for texture or, or for salt content or for flavor or anything like that. You know, and, and, um, I, and they can mail it to you. Or it's, it's, just one of those, it's one of those, you know, those disciplines that don't, it, it, they don't, it doesn't work well with online. It just doesn't. You know? Well, like Allie, Allie's going to Delgado and yeah. she's studying theater and she's, right. gonna, she's not in the show that they're doing. She's doing tech on it, but it's a Zoom show. Yeah. So she's going to do tech and the, the, you can, you can be watching like multiple screens while people can really hard, hard. And it's going to be like bad old Peyton place shows, you know, it's like, <laughs> wash your hair in my ass. Like they said, and drive Miss Daisy. So <laughs> it's uh you know, it's a, it's a thing where it's not easy, but it's better than it was. And as far as the pandemic, you know, I, I would say this, you know, that, like I said before, everybody's going to do what they have to do to stay open to pay their people and to just, to live a life as best they can. But once it's over, things are going to go back to normal. You know what I mean? You don't uh, think there's going to be a new normal? Uh, you know, I think, you know, I, this is one man's opinion, mind you. You know, I think that once, that, that uh, I read somewhere where it takes two years for a pandemic to finally go away. You know, once they have the the, the, the vaccines, the proper vaccines that, that that hit mm. a proper amount or a proper percentage of people that, that, uh, that, yeah, that it takes two, two and a half years for a pandemic to go away. Well, you know, I think if, if that's, if, if and that's historically speaking. Okay. So if that's mm. true, I got a, I got a, I got a neighbor up the street who is a scientist at LSU and we were talking to him early on in this thing. He goes, the thing about viruses are, you know, there are a few of them <clears throat> that are just cuckoo viruses, but for the most part, it's almost like they're smart. They start mutating so that they don't actually kill the host, because if they kill the host, they kill themselves. So that's yeah. one of the things that's involved in herd mentality, in, her, in herd immunity. That's right. The fact that you, you're letting these things mutate to the point where, yeah, you know what? Some, some people who are compromised are going to get more sick and possibly pass. But Joe Blow from Kokomo, it's going to have a bad weekend and he's going to take some drink sorrel and a lot of orange juice and it'll be back up Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, uh, you know, that's the crazy part about this thing, you know, I says, but, but uh, I think there will be a time when, when we'll be back to normal. I, I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, uh, I, I'm praying for that. And, uh, but I think that's truly going to happen, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and everything. And what's great, you know, again, we live in a part of, of the country where, you know, being social is such an important part of our lives. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't know about you, but I miss going down to Sinclair and Th- Thibodeau and having a cocktail with Jeffrey, you know, and just talking to folks, you know, I mean, uh, 
you know, because Kathy and I haven't, we haven't done anything since March, anything. We haven't done, well, we haven't had anybody in the house except a guy come in to do our regular, you know, uh, twice a year AC and generator check. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a plumber come to the house because my, my, well, that's that's too. I mean, repairmen have come yeah, and they it. wore masks. You know, and they were uh, asking. We, and we masks. wore masks when they came, you know, but we haven't gone anywhere. We haven't done anything. Well, we have. I haven't gone out to eat. To we, have, we have gone. We've gone out to a few places. We, I mean, nothing super fancy, fine dining, but we've gone, uh, you know, to burger play or, you know, like Lakeview yeah. Harbor. We, went we get there. everything to go. We don't yeah. eat it. We don't eat in house nowhere. Well, you know, if I can't pick it up, I don't. We don't eat it. Well, you know? and we do. We've done some of that because we want to support some of our people here. Yeah, you know. Well, that's why we're doing it. But the fact is, it's it's like we also sit there and make fun of it because it's like, yeah. okay, well, the cootie is like, if you walk into the place, you got to wear a mask, and when you cross the room to go to the bathroom or whatever, you got to wear a mask. But as soon as you sit mm-hmm. down, then you're okay. You can take it off and you can eat and drink and stuff. Yeah. So, well, what about people in wheelchair? Why are you make him wear a mask? Why you? What do you? What about? What about? Uh, you know, Doc and Sneezy and Happy. Why? Yeah. Why do they have to wear a mask because they ain't up there. You know, their heads aren't up there. They're always down at the at the level of the table. You know, why? Why do you make a kid wear a mask? It's like the cool uh, there. So there's some of these yeah. rules they're doing are just. I think. I just. Yeah, I think they're doing it so they they're doing it so that people won't revolt. Yeah, they're doing they're doing it so they can have some business, you know. Yeah, they got to pay taxes. Uh, I told you know, you know, Mayor Latoya once she needs to put a tip jar in front of her podium for Mardi Gras because that's the only way she's gonna pay her taxes. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that? Is that going over the air? Ah oh, shit! Oh wait, did I say shit? Did you actually say that? Oh no, that's on your podcast. Okay, all right, that's you. That's not me. Make, make everybody make sure that y'all know that Spud said that. It wasn't me. I'm talking okay? about my ass over here, though. You know? uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, but you know, I, I I think it's gonna um, you know, and and look, our our, our enrollment is up. Go figure. That was I was going to ask you that. I'm going how how is it affecting future generations of students? Because I mean, you when it gets to... down to it, when it gets down to it, uh, uh, Spud, you know, as human beings, we all have to do certain things. We all have to. Um, you know, we all have to breathe and we all have to eat at least a couple of times a day. So that will never go. You know, I mean, that in, in funeral homes will always be there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, since the industry began at the end of the of the French Revolution, it's been a growth industry and it hasn't stopped since. It hasn't stopped growing. Neither has and, my belly. And, 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 you know, and I can't help but believe that that will happen again, again, because New Orleans is not the kind of place that people go out to a fine dining restaurant for a, because it's a it's a, somebody's uh, anniversary or birthday or some special occasion. No, they go out with a group of friends because it's Tuesday. And why not? And there's there's you know, it was not like that in, in other parts of the country. You know, yeah. I mean, we really we really take our time to, to, to smell the roses here, so to speak. And uh, and I, I and I can't believe that, you know, that that's look. we got through Katrina. We can get through anything I'll wait, the way I look at it. But yeah, but the problem but, is, uh, you know, we're 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 different, although we got a lot of influx. I mean, God bless all the people who came to help us rebuild after Katrina. Yeah, but that being yeah, yeah, said, yeah. they came down. Oh, so many came and, and they oh. stayed. Yeah, but they don't assimilate to us. They bring yeah. in their own stuff over here, and it's like, whatever happened to New Orleans? <laughs> you, you changed it. You brought you instead of come and adapt yourself to our ways, 
you trying to make us do you. I'm going, that's not what attracted you to this place to begin with, you know? Yeah, but do you think it's really changing like that? It's changing every day. Now, everything changes every day. But New Orleans has yeah, always but- changed real, real slow. And it's not like yeah. it's changing. It's changing quick. But I'm old, so it don't matter. My kids can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> old is well, I don't up live there. You, you do. Uh, I'm, I'm glad things move a little slower here in Thibodeau. Well, Thibodeau is a great. Thibodeau is a great town to live in. By the I, way, I did the East Coast. I did the West Coast. I came back to the Gulf Coast. I mean, from my yeah. acting career, I'd have been better off in one of those two spots. Oh, you absolutely would. But then done. you got to live I with kept those telling people. Telling you that. Yeah, but yeah. you got to live with those people, and I don't want to live with those people. <laughs> I'm stepped in puddles that were deeper than some of the people I work. Well, with. I want to. I want to just end all this by saying that I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I really am. I, I think that uh, I, I have great faith in the industry, and I have a great faith that uh, that that you know in the in the in that people will want to go out and eat again when they feel comfortable. And I think that's going to come. I think it's going to be later than what people think it is. I'm telling you, I think we still have another year, year and a half of of some some foolishness here to, that that we have to suck up before we can feel safe in public again. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. But that's what I think is going to happen. Well, you you have a lot of faith, and uh, and uh, regardless of the comments you made before, you do drink. So. <laughs> Not as much as I used to, though. Oh, no, no. Well, me neither. You know, it's like that's what the guy asked me. Uh, do you drink socially? No, actually, I don't. I drink when I'm, when I don't, if we go out to dinner, yeah. the fans of fan, I will have a drink or maybe uh-huh. two beers. Like, we're going to go eat Mexican food. Give me my tecate with my lime. And I'll yeah. have two of them. But as soon as I get there, I'm going to down those beers within the first 20 minutes of be- being there. And then we're going to be eating <laughs> for another hour. And then by the time I get out of there, I got all that really refried beans soaking up all that liquor, so I'm good to go. Right, you know? But when I'm boiling crawfish at my house, I'm guzzling Miller High Life from 9 a.m. till about 2 in the afternoon. See, I can't do that. I just can't do that. I'm going to have, uh, like, I love going to a Sinclair because I'll have a Sazerac before dinner, sometimes too, or some other specialty i mean they do old-fashioned cocktails just so well yeah and they're the, the guy that's running that bar program is just excellent uh jeffrey is just he's a real mixologist he's yeah. a real mixologist he, and he knows the history of it and and he just he's we, we're so lucky to have that guy in Thibodeau because he's a he's a true master and uh yeah he don't want to be so uh, you know and sometimes he'll he'll uh he knows i don't like frilly frilly stuff and he knows I like bourbon. Uh, I just can't drink as much bourbon as I want. But one or two is not bad before dinner. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm done. You yeah, know? me too. Uh, two, two. You know, I'll drink a cold beer after I've cut grass and it's really hot. But yeah, uh, yeah, but that's different. Yeah. That's that's. But I can't drink. I can't drink beer like like we used to back in the day. Oh no way, Jack. Well, no I mean, way. I used to I used to walk around wearing coveralls and uh and an army jacket and every 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 pocket was filled with a little miller pony (laughs) i mean should i my dad loved three of them waiting on a bus you know (laughs) i gotta go i appreciate you taking the time and i appreciate the stories and i appreciate your comment man give kathy a big hug and a kiss for me all right brother save the more read for me all right yeah baby y'all be safe thanks a bunch you too bye
I scream, you scream, we all scream for beads and doubloons and coconuts and marching bands and walking clubs and tableaus and mask balls and mystic crews and everything else that says Mardi Gras. Keep Mardi Gras what it's always been, a family event before Lent. If you want to help keep traditions alive, go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and join the growing group of businesses, citizens, and carnival entities that want to keep Mardi Gras a safe and happy event without it being regulated to death. Go to MardiGrasAlliance.com and laissez le bon temps rouler. Chops chicken fries chicken like your mama and your great-grandma used to make back in the 1920s. Cold water dipped in seasoned flour like the old, old days. And their recipe comes from the 70s. So Chops has the most time-tested flavor for fried chicken you're going to find any place. They ain't fast food, they're good food. Your chicken is fried to order, fresh and hot, waiting for you to pick up a dine-in. Chaps Chicken, 206 West Harrison in Lakeview and 3343 Metro Road in Old Mary. Go to love com or find them at hashtag get chapped. Hey, what you got going this weekend? Can't go to the game, you can't even tailgate, so what you gonna do? Go fishing! Get yourself a licensed and insured charter guide on lasaltwater.com. Super easy to follow that website. What you gonna catch? Where you wanna catch it? How you wanna catch it? All the big ones are waiting for you, and to top it off, you'll still be able to watch the game on TV at the lodge at the end of the day of fishing. Sounds great? Got an open spot for you, babe. You want in? Just sign up on lasaltwater.com. Okay, so I ran long, and I ain't got time for dumbass of the day, but thanks, Randy Sherman. That was a lot of fun. Had a laugh. I hope you guys did, too. In the meantime, uh, check the uh, Spudcast podcast, talking out my ass on uh, Red Circle and Spotify and iHeart. And on Google Music Play and Public Radio and, uh, oh, so many other places. Uh, and you can also see me or hear me on uh, Spud's Friends and Fans Facebook, John McConnell, my Facebook page, and The Big Teasy on Facebook. And you can also follow me uh, on Twitter at SpudGotDat. If you got an idea for a show or you just want to be put on a list or you just want to tell me anything, SpudCastPodcast at gmail.com. The SpudCastPodcast at gmail.com. Go vote. Watch out for the crazies. I'll see you later, but I'm a gone pecan.